Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. According to one poll, 25% of Americans say they're not affiliated with a religious tradition. But of course, what people find in mosques and churches and synagogues is not only a sense of the divine. Churches are also communities built around a set of shared beliefs, and they can provide an important form of fellowship completely outside any sense of God. So today, we talk with atheists and other non-believers about how they find community and a set of people to share their ideas and existential angst with. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There's a story in my family, maybe it's apocryphal, but one day when I was a young kid, I asked my parents, who created the world? And my mom, though she was not really a traditionally religious person, gave me the party line from my Catholic school, which was, God created the world. And I considered that and turned to my dad and asked, Dad, who really created the world? Though I wouldn't consider myself an atheist, some people are just skeptics from the jump, and I definitely was one of them. The ranks of people who find themselves outside a religious tradition is growing. In San Francisco, a poll found a full third of people in the city do not identify with a religion, the second highest percentage in the country after Portland, Oregon, of course. But religious groups are not just about God. They're also about fellowship and community service. They're about sharing a set of values. So how do atheists and free thinkers and humanists do community? That's today's show. We're joined first by Evan Clark, executive director of Atheists United. Welcome, Evan. Thanks for having me. Also joined by David Diskin, president of the Free Thought Day. Diskin also co-founded the Sacramento chapter of Sunday Assembly, which is a regular Sunday secular gathering. Welcome, David. Great to be here. And Samantha McGuire, National Field Director of American Atheists, Inc. Welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Evan, you're the Executive Director of Atheists United. That's one of the few atheist organizations in the country that actually sort of has the resources to pay a staff member. So atheists and freethinkers, et cetera, are often defined by not believing in God, by what they don't believe. How do you create community around that? I think we have to ask the same questions that all good religious communities are asking, which is what are the needs that our community face? 
You know, there are some traditions that are built more around supremacist belief ideas. Ours are instead built around concepts of freedom, concepts of free thought, concepts of how do we leave the world better than how we left it, uh, how we started in it. So I, I think what we've just discovered is when you ask your community what its needs are, when you look around and look at how they are moving through the world, you recognize there are special and unique things that we experience and that there are community needs that come from that. Hmm. What do you think is like needs are different or special within atheism as opposed to, you know, are alike with religious groups? Yeah, most specifically, we deal with a lot of religious trauma. So not all of our members grew up secular or atheist or agnostic. They they often grew up in religious households and religious communities. And we can't deny that this is a, a generally religious culture um, and extremely religious politics, at least at this moment in American history. Mm. So when we talk about how to gather, we're often trying to address uh, traumas and terrible experiences that happened in some cases, or we're trying to recreate community and experiences that often can't be found outside mm-hmm. of a religious experience. Mm-hmm. I, I think the best way to think about it is, look, your your soccer team, your intramural club, those can be secular spaces. Those can be wonderful secular spaces. You can have a group of people where you never talk about religion and you have a lot of fun together. But if you suddenly need to raise a child and you want that child to be around people that share your values and language, if you want people who will visit you in the hospital when you're sick, if you want a place to volunteer and do community service and, and be an impact on your community, or if you want to organize politically around your shared values. Uh, traditionally, we've done that in what we call religious spaces or nonprofit spaces. And uh, the uh, to me, that's always been a, a secular tradition. We're just happy to do it under uh, a political and religious label of atheist. Hmm. Hey, David uh, Diskin, what brought you to atheism? Well, you know, I've always been an atheist. I'm um, probably one of the few that have been since since you know since they were born most of our members that we see in, in the stockton area atheists and, and people that come to california free thought day they're not like me uh they were raised in a religious family and for one reason or another they decided to mm-hmm. abandon their faith and, and seek science in a different way but for me uh, i grew up in a, in a secular home yeah hey sam how about you yeah, so I, I describe myself, uh, my my family were Christmas and Easter Catholics, right? So we celebrated <laughs> Christmas with my family, and we would go, if we were with my family, go do Easter at church. Uh, and, and if we weren't with them, we would just find any old church. I grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts, so my mom would find a church, and she'd be like, I heard the pastor had a good sermon. I heard the choir's good. Mm-hmm. So we would just go wherever. Um, And I didn't really think about religion as a thing because it just really didn't impact my life at all. Um, And then in in high school, actually, I took a Bible and related lit class and it was taught like a lit class. And I read the Old Testament cover to cover for the first time ever because Catholics don't usually read the Bible. And then um, I had a lot of questions after <laughs> reading the book. <laughs> uh, so then I sort of described myself as an apatheist. Again, like I just never really thought about religion. I didn't belong to a church. I didn't go to a church. Um, and I moved to Southern Maryland, which is much more conservative than Amherst, mm. Massachusetts. And I was surrounded by religion and people asking me which church I went to. And so then that became a process of me defining what are my actual beliefs. And I landed on humanism and then atheism. Hmm. And, you know, you've kind of taken that into being taking an active role. So you've gone from apathyism to atheism. What did you find, you think, in, you know, 
this way of belief that sort of clearly drove you to kind of get deeper into it? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started a community group. So, you know, we're here talking about community and I'm the national field director. But the reason I got my start in the movement is I looked around where I live and I couldn't find any people that shared my beliefs. And so I started a little tiny group here in Southern Maryland. Um, and that became part of a larger regional organization that's kind of set up similar to Atheists United called Washington Area Secular Humanists. And from there, I started volunteering and getting involved in the movement. And so when this position became available, I uh, jumped all over it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important for us to get organized and to provide community to our atheist community and our humanist communities, because there's often places where you can't find people like you. You're talking from San Francisco, where 30% of folks, mm -hmm. they don't believe in God, but so much of our country, that is not true. Hmm. Evan, I mean, what is it like? I mean, you know, atheists all over California. It is true that in, you know, the inner Bay Area, there's a lot of non-religious people. <laughs> What do you think a, a group of atheists in a place like this can get out of, you know, the kind of fellowship you're talking about rather than, you know, people who might be in a much more religious community? I think we need to flip our idea that we gather simply for belief. I think at the top of your show, you described beautifully that religious communities provide so much more than just a place to discuss, express and explore your belief. And atheists, similarly, I think are more in the tradition of uh, progressive religious communities where when when freedom and pluralism are actually your top values, you're organizing around values, not identity. And, mm. and in that sense, when we live in a religious culture where the Supreme Court is able to take away reproductive rights for a group of people, where a hospital can deny you access based on religious belief or, you know, even... Even vaccine laws have been impacted by religious privilege, you know, creating a space that not only is safe for your group of people, but helps you explore, that helps you grow, that helps address needs that maybe you don't want or can't have addressed by a religious community or a privileged group of people. I think that's really liberatory. And I think the need for that uh, has been expressed in all social movements throughout time. So we just happen to organize around our our sense of free thought and our sense of uh, uh, freedom of identity and ultimately are fighting for a, a pluralistic society, right? I, I think the biggest difference isn't between theism and atheism. It's between totalitarian belief systems and pluralistic belief systems. You know, can we stand hand in hand with others who have different beliefs but share our values and want to live in a diverse world? Or do I need to force everyone to believe what I do? And, and we, you know, I think work beautifully in interfaith spaces because we are pluralistic. We're talking about finding fellowship without religion, joined by Evan Clark, executive director of Atheists United, David Diskin, president of Free Thought Day, also co-founded the Sacramento chapter of Sunday Assembly, which is a regular Sunday secular gathering, and Sam McGuire, national field director of American Atheists, Inc. How about you? Are you an atheist within, you know, in the Bay Area or within a religious community within the Bay Area? How do you find your people? You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Um, Sam, I wanted to ask you, you know, as the national field director for American Atheists, like how many atheists or community orgs are out there? Is it, a, is it, are there a lot? Are there a few? What's it look like? 
Yeah, so we have 250 affiliates at American Atheist. There's far, far, far more groups than that. Those are just the ones that have chosen to become affiliates and be on our map. Um, and those range from uh, really simple kind of meetups where they just get together once in a month and hang out in a pub and have some drinks and maybe some food and bitch about religion and their kids and whatever's going on in their world. Uh, all the way up to the highly organized 501c3s like Atheists United. Mm. Um, and and I, I tell people all the time, the groups that are really firing on all cylinders are operating like Atheists United, where they have that community mm. service piece, they have the activism piece, they have the advocacy piece, and then they also are providing community and fellowship for their members. Yeah. David, tell us a little bit about Sunday Assembly out in Sacramento. Yeah, it's it's the coolest thing. You know, it started... Um, uh, back in in London, I don't know, like ten years ago, and it was formed because, just like Evan and Samantha were saying, uh, people need a place to gather, to get together, and to just form a community. And what Sunday Assembly did is, and this is the phrase that they used, they took all the best parts of church and left out the God part. And what singing that means you donuts, is, yeah, right. Yeah, that's precisely it. Donuts, especially the donuts and the coffee when you walk in, right? And there's childcare and there is singing, but instead of singing hymns, they're singing, you know, Beatles songs and 80s hits. And there's speakers that come in for like, you know, five or 10 minutes. People share stories about, you know, what their successes are in life. And they're also trying to find ways to help each other. Mm. But the most, I think, interesting thing about this is these are on Sunday morning, mm. sometimes in the afternoon afternoon and i think there's probably 30 or 40 now throughout the uh world i know in california there's four including mm -hmm. the one that that we founded in sacramento wow we're talking about finding fellowship without religion you just heard david diskin who's uh co-founded the sacramento chapter of sunday assembly also got evan clark from atheist united and sam mcguire from american atheist Inc. I'm Alexis Madrigal. What's some of your calls and comments when we get back from the break? Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're joined this morning by a panel of atheists and also can hear from free thinkers, humanists. We're talking about the way that people find fellowship without religion. We're joined by Sam McGuire, National Field Director of American Atheists, Inc., David Diskin, 
uh, who found co-founded the Sacramento chapter of Sunday Assembly, a regular Sunday secular gathering, and Evan Clark, executive director of Atheists United. Want to add another voice into the conversation? Arlene Rios is founder of Secular Latinos of San Gabriel Valley. Welcome, Arlene. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so good to have you. Um, so, you know, it's no real surprise that there'd be a lot of different communities, uh, you know, identity groups kind of within uh, the atheist community. You founded this group in San Gabriel Valley. How come you felt the need to start a you know, particular, you know, atheist group for Latinos there? Well, um, because I know that there's a lot of Latinos in Southern California and uh Everybody identifies with like being Catholic or some type of religious faith, but no one ever says, hey, you know, like I'm Latino and I'm a non-believer. So that's why I founded it, to find community with others. Yeah, because there is, there's so much of the kind of like iconography of of religious stuff all all around um did you find yourself um once you started to sort of come out as a non-believer i mean how did people react to that well everybody reacted kind of differently some people were in shock because they had known me as like going to, to church all the time um, my aunt told me uh, that I was baptized Catholic, that I was always going to be Catholic. Mm. <laughs> um, so I've had, you know, different experiences. My sister actually started or she stopped talking to me for like four uh, months oh. because it went against, I guess, her religion or something. I don't know. So what has it been like now that you've been able to find some fellowship? Do you find that your story is one that connects with other people there? Uh, yes, um, it's actually been great. I am so grateful uh, to have an opportunity to found, you know, to uh, found a group, um, to make a group, and to uh, meet other Latinos like myself or Latinx folks like myself, and uh, we just share, you know, our experiences. And we've had one person that uh, he's older person. He's uh, retired. Um, and uh, he has always been an atheist, and he's never known any other atheist folks. And he just came out of the closet. <laughs> That's the word I like to say. Yeah, um, yeah and he, we found each other, and uh, yeah, it's great. It's interesting. I mean, do you see this as something that you want to sort of like spread the word, or is it more like you're just kind of available as a community reserve if people like want to come find this kind of fellowship? Um, I really want to spread the word, actually. I really hope uh, me being on this uh, radio station, um, my voice, I hope that somebody listens to it. And I really hope that somebody creates other uh, atheist groups, Latinx specifically, because a lot of times when I've gone, I'm speaking for my personal experience, a lot of times when I've gone to different atheist events, conventions, it's a lot of white people there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's predominantly white, you know, spaces and stuff. And uh, I would sometimes see another, you know, Latinx person or person of color, if that, in these spaces. So I think that's why it's so mm-hmm. important. I think uh, people tend to think that atheism is like, I guess, maybe just white people or something. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, I definitely, yeah, grew up in a, in a Mexican <laughs> household with some... Um, I would say my dad was more anti-clerical than he was atheist. But, you know, um, your group got some news coverage a few years ago, and the headline is kind of an all-timer. In a church of their own, Latino atheists fear no God, but mom 
that's another matter, uh, which made us all laugh on the team. Um, how how has it gone, you know, with your with your family and in, in terms of you know figuring out how to navigate that relationship? Um, at first, I think they were all really concerned about me. Um, and my mom, she's kind of like, I don't know. She says she doesn't like going to church because she feels so claustrophobic. But she still says, you know, she is a Catholic. Uh, my dad, he uh, sadly, he did pass away a couple of years ago, but uh, he never really, I don't know, he didn't really say much. I don't know if it's because I'm already a grown person, you know, <laughs> although I, I'm always going to be a kid, you know, to my parents. But um, the only person that was really, really concerned was my uh, grandma, because she's, oh my goodness, she is just big time Catholic. And uh, we actually had a conversation and I thought that, you know, maybe we're going to argue and fight and start crying. But no, we just kind of talked a little bit. And then she said, well, let's go eat. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is the kind of grandma everyone wants. What can you say? Right. Um, so I've been very, very lucky. Uh, let's bring in some callers here. Let's bring in uh, Matt in Portola Valley. Welcome. Hi. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah. Tell um, us your story. Yeah. I was... Yeah, I was really. I work as a campus minister and uh, religion teacher in, in high school, uh, kind of cradle to grave Catholic. And I'm sure that if I were born, uh, you know, atheist or different tradition, I'd be that. So I'm I'm not ignorant to the kind of you know tremendous sure, sure. cultural and um, impacts of of inheriting a faith. I was really struck. I don't know if it was David or Sam uh, who said that the the debate is not between atheism and theism, but rather pluralism and um totalitarianism. Uh, totalitarianism and i was really struck by that because uh oftentimes in my work i'm responding to kids from who come from a variety of different religious backgrounds or no backgrounds at all but my primary purpose is not indoctrinating my purpose is not at all proselytizing or indoctrinating it is to try to convey the importance of uh constructing a life of meaning uh mm. and that's really the definition that we use for faith about you know, composing and being composed by meaning. Mm. So I'm curious for the for the panel, uh, you know, divorced from some of the traditional frameworks that have uh, stressed that importance and really emphasized that as a necessary part of a full human life. How in the the hustle and bustle, particularly in the Bay Area, um, do you convey and um, engage people with the idea of the importance of having meaning and ritual and engaging with mystery? when there are so many other distractions. I'll, I'll leave it to the panel. Thank you very much. <laughs> Matt, what a great question. I think it was also Evan who, uh, who made the point that you, uh, that, that you really responded to. Um, and Evan, let's, let's go to you on this because, I mean, you have created a kind of, I mean, it's called Atheist Adventures, right? It's a, it's a, it's a profile of trips to kind of remove people from, as, um, as our caller was saying, uh, Matt, remove people from the hustle and bustle of life to reflect on those things, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a new program of ours at Atheist United. We launched it in 2021. And uh, we were looking for new programs that could speak to especially some of our younger members, people who are looking for what would traditionally be called a religious experience in religious spaces. And ultimately, we're looking for communion, for feeling small or big in our place in the universe, maybe exploring a topic we care deeply about, like science, or, and, and exploring things like wonder, which we don't always talk about in a lot of our communities. Uh, I think especially when communities get framed by words like atheist or Christian, you know, people get caught up on the philosophy rather than the human experience. So we launched a 
program called Atheist Adventures. And in 2021, we went to Death Valley and we looked at the stars on a moonless night with an astronomer. And this past year, we went to Zion National Park. Uh, and the year before, we went to Anza Borrego outside of San Diego and we did a rock talk at sunset with a geologist. Um, and these have been incredibly life-changing experiences for the people who have participated, but mostly because of the amount of community they're building. Um, yeah, if I have two more seconds, I, I want to introduce a concept uh, called theist normativity. Uh, we also, most people know the concept of heteronormativity. Um, well, theist normativity, right, is this idea that that religion is at the the center or is the default of all of our political and cultural ideas. And and I think the idea that we would gather around meaning or wonder or that we would explore questions about life, I think humans have always done that. Uh, theist groups have tried to claim that the only way to get that is through their institutions. But in a lot of ways with Atheist United, I feel like I'm, I'm returning to what is a universal human experience. And we just happen to be doing it in a slightly unique way compared to modern religions. Mm. But I think it's actually the default human experience. Yeah. Um, you know, David, I might come to you on this one. You know, uh, Kenichi over in our Discord wrote, you know, I've, I've wondered why more social organization doesn't happen around non-religious faith. In my own domain, I think nature study and conservation are fundamentally about faith. For example, the belief that biodiversity is good, completely separate from any argument for usefulness to humans. Is it a scientific allergy we have? Have other religions kind of given you know, I'm print, putting in parentheses here, that type of faith, uh, a kind of bad reputation. Do you think nature is, or, you know, what we call nature is a kind of core component of thinking about these things in a non-theist normative way? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think there's certainly some kind of correlation between those of us who have a deeper, maybe more accurate understanding of what science tells us and that connection to nature that we have, whether that be evolution or vaccine effectiveness, um, even going into gender studies. Um, and I think that part of the conflict that Evan is talking about with those who are on the extreme side of religion, uh, they and us often go head to head uh, on these very topics, which then ends up bringing that into the political sphere. Mm -hmm. And you have organizations that are very much trying to take away the rights of people um, or take away science education because of their religious faith and, 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 and their understanding of how the world came to be or how humanity came to be versus us and a good number of people who, again, understand science and evolution and all of these other components of science mm -hmm. that tell us this is how things probably happened. And, you know, we need to continue the fight to make sure that this is taught properly in schools. Yeah, I certainly find a lot of awe and, and wonder, too, in considering, you know, scientific, you know, I, you can just tell me about mitochondria <laughs> or like, you know, the, the, the length of time the universe has been around. And I, I'm, you know, struck with it with on wonder. Um, we're talking about finding fellowship without religion, joined by David Diskin, president of uh, free thought, also co-founded the Sacramento chapter of a regular Sunday secular gathering called Sunday assembly. Also joined by Arlene Rios, founder of secular Latinos of San Gabriel Valley, Sam McGuire, national field director of American atheists Inc. And Evan Clark, uh, executive director of atheists United. Um, you know, how, if you're an atheist or you're an unbeliever of some type, you know, how do you find community? What are the places that you find to be able to talk about the kind of bigger issues um, in life and, you know, having a 
a life that's meaningful um, outside of any religious context. Um, you can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. If you can't get through there, try forum at kqed.org. You can find us on the, the Discord, our digital community. You can find us on our social channels as well. Um, let's bring in Lynn from Sacramento. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, this is Liz Shoemaker. I'm uh, board chair of Camp Omni, and I've worked at camp with David and with Sam and with uh, Evan Clark. We're a summer camp for children of free-thinking families. Mm. Um, and uh, a lot of our staff, like myself uh, in particular, I know I had some really fabulous experiences in the outdoors at Sleepaway Summer Camp as a child, but it was explicitly for the purposes of like religious indoctrination. And a lot of summer camps have, even if they don't have a really evangelical um, thrust to them, they still really focus on um, building religion into the kids or um, evangelizing new campers. So Camp Omni is an alternative for families who want their kids to have the summer camp experience, um, knowing that their children will be accepted for who they are, that they will get a chance to experience the wonder of nature and the stars and the outdoors and community building, both for our campers and for our staff. Interesting. I mean, yeah, Lynn, I mean, when I think of the camps that my kids have gone to over the years, uh, you know, most of them are pretty secular. You know, it's like an arts camp where, you know, you're like, wait, why were you on an iPad for so long while we were paying money for you to go to camp? (laughs) Um, So, like, how does Camp Omni really differ? I mean, does it does it have a curriculum based around these values or is it just that you've kind of extracted out any of that like theist normativity? Um, We do have curriculum around these values. We also um, do uh, singing with campers. So that's an experience that I know for me at religious camps was actually kind of powerful to sing in groups. That's Mm. not something that children get a chance to do very frequently. So we have times when we're singing songs together, and the sillier the better. It's a regular part of our community building. We also have curriculum to explore ethics and decision-making and um, science uh, some years it's a little bit more focused on, you know, scale of the universe or natural selection, um, like more hard science topics, but also how to be a good person, how to ask good questions, how to consider people with disabilities or different experiences than your own. And um, we're really focused on youth development for these children and hoping that our campers come away with more skills and um, self-confidence and, you know, how to be a good person. In the outdoors, completely offline, campers are, do not have access to internet or phones. Um, we also do archery and swimming and rock climbing and hiking. Um, and in these places where you can enjoy nature and the wonder of nature um, without the expectation that you're going to participate in one particular mm-hmm. religious practice. Yeah. If campers are religious when they come to us, that's fine. Um, you can be who you are at Camp Omni, um, and there's not going to be pressure from adults or from other campers to think in a particular way. Cool. Hey, Liz uh, Shoemaker, um, thank you so much for calling in. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, in case people are interested, it was Camp Omni. Um, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, Sam, about kind of generational issues. I mean, more and more Americans are identifying as kind of non-religious or not with, you know, not down with a particular 
uh, faith tradition. Do you find that younger people are seeking out like an atheist or secular community or are they just kind of dropping out of these kinds of meaning making organizations altogether? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, uh, we did a survey back in, I think it was 2018, that we collected the original data, and we had a uh, follow-on report. It was called Secular Survey. And we interviewed, well, we had people respond, 34,000 people. We were very excited if we were going to get like 5,000 people. It turns out <laughs> atheists really love to talk about themselves. So we got 34,000 in a week and had to shut down the survey because it was much more than we expected. But it was really cool. We had a couple follow-on reports, and one of them was on youth. And it's absolutely true that youth are less religious than their older counterparts and that they're obviously more uh, socially progressive as well. I think that organizations like Camp Omni, where people can send their kids to a place where they can explore their identity and uh, talk about these sorts of issues is very important. There's also another organization in our movement called Secular Student Alliance that works with uh, college students in particular. And, and it is hard though to get the youth, the the kind of college age kids to be engaged in the movement and really paying attention to things uh, for lots of reasons. And COVID's been really hard on that type of organizing in the community. But there is a lot of interest in the social justice issues that others have discussed that Evan brought up and David brought up. And so if we can tie that into what we're doing and organizing around our values and not just our atheist belief or non-belief, mm-hmm. then that's where we're going to be able to mm-hmm. keep the youth engaged in our movement. Yeah. Um, fascinating uh, conversation as we go, uh, comment as we go into the break here from a listener. You know, at this time of year, many people are contemplating their alcohol or drug use and exploring 12-step programs. There's amazing fellowships among atheists in 12-step programs, which parenthetically are often seen as very religious. It sometimes takes a few tries to find a meeting you like, but there are hundreds to choose from in person in the Bay Area. Now since the pandemic, thousands online all over the world. Many, many atheists and agnostics find kinship in these 12-step programs. I've met a lot of new friends in AA, and they're often people I only see for one hour a week. Kind of a fascinating um, angle there. We've been talking about finding fellowship without religion. Joined by Sam McGuire, National Field Director with American Atheist Inc. Arlene Rios, founder of Secular Latinos of San Gabriel Valley. David Diskin, who co-founded the Sacramento Chapter of Sunday Assembly. And Evan Clark, Executive Director of Atheists United. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more of your calls and comments when we get back from the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about finding fellowship without religion, joined by a panel of atheists, free thinkers, humanists who found ways to, to find community. Evan Clark, the executive director of Atheists United. David Diskin is president of Free Thought Day, also co-founded the Sacramento chapter of a regular Sunday secular gathering called Sunday Assembly. Sam McGuire is national field director of American Atheists, Inc., and Arlene Rios is founder of Secular Latinos of San Gabriel Valley. Fun lines are full, so you might want to try emailing us forum at kqed.org if you are an atheist who's found you know, community in some way or you found a way to consider the kind of big uh, questions of life outside of a religious context. I, um, Evan Clark, I wanted to ask you this one. Um, you know, part of religion is offering a, a framework to consider life's big questions, at least it is for, for many people as we've been talking, within the theist normativity framework that you described earlier. <laughs> but my, you you know, my, my youngest, who's uh, almost eight, um, recently, you know, driving along in the car, nothing in particular is going on, and she just comes out of nowhere with, what happens when you die? You know? <laughs> and you're just like, you know, for a lot of religious people, there are clear answers. Um, I'm not sure I gave the best answer. Uh, I think I said something like, well, you know, that's kind of where all the knowledge that we have of the world ends. Um, mm. And so I don't know. Um, how, what would you have told her? How, how would you, you know, how do people in your community try to, to answer those questions, particularly for, for kids who are trying to understand, you know, what the meaning of life and death are? I think that's a great question. And uh, I think I could be as stumped as you are. And I, th I think a good parent should be in some ways. Uh, I think... We have many members in our communities that would probably have different tacks for how they would uh, go about answering that. You know, you have the the classic scientific answers, the very naturalist answers, I'd say. Uh, yes, your body rots, kid. That's what right. happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the worms eat you. Which, like, you know, I was a science nerd growing up. That was that would have been great for me, like explain composition, uh, decomposing <laughs> a human body. But, but for, I find a lot of people using more artistic or metaphorical language is still really valuable. I, I think our human brains have a lot of cognitive dissonance around a lot of big existential issues. And what I hope and what I share with a lot of other religious leaders I've met is an excitement to explore that rather than closing off the conversation by giving one answer based on tradition, not based on knowledge. Um, I think we owe it to every generation to encourage their critical thinking skills, to inspire them to want to learn more about a topic rather than give them a simple answer that closes off their curiosity. So what yeah. I would encourage is to always uh, make it the beginning of a conversation rather than the end. Arlene, as you were leaving the Catholic Church, you know, which does have very defined answers for, for this, right? You've got heaven, you've got hell, there's a whole, you know, uh, there's so much around this. How did you end up answering that question for yourself? Or did you just kind of say, you know what, it's, it's not for me to know? Um, I would say that, honestly, it's, it's not for me to know, I'm just going to be myself, I'm going to try and be, you know, a good person. Um, and, I mean, there is no proof, I feel there isn't any proof of God if there is, or if there isn't. So, you know, at the end of my life, or whatever happens to me next, um, I don't know, just there, that's something I cannot mm -hmm. control. What I can control is this, the now, mm -hmm. like how I live my life. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, another uh, comment. Catherine uh, writes, I appreciate this forum. 
I'm a second-generation atheist and Latinx indigenous person. I've always found so much power in being raised to think critically and not just follow along because it's what, quote-unquote, we do. My mom raised us to find community in each other and pointed out how to be in good relationships with ourselves and others. It's so cool to hear about these groups. So, you know, maybe I didn't totally botch that question. <laughs> um, let's bring in uh, Linda in Santa Rosa. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Okay. So I was raised Episcopalian and uh, left the church when I was 15, but there were certain aspects of the church that I really enjoyed and missed after I left it, including uh, the music, the community, um, confession. I enjoyed that. (laughs) And much later, I found the Unitarian Universalists, and really um, have loved that group. They live by seven principles, none of which mention a deity. They welcome everyone, whether you're atheist, pagan, uh, deist, whatever. And uh, San Francisco's got one of the best Unitarian Universalist churches I know of. Mm. So That's so cool. Hey, Linda. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks. I appreciate um, that perspective. I mean, Sam McGuire, you know, um, for for some of the groups that may have a religious title, but essentially over, you know, in their actual histories have migrated away. Um, how do how does the, the different groups that, you know, you know about from American Atheist Inc., like how do they relate to those kinds of groups like the Unitarians? Yeah, so UUs are great organizations. They actually have a ton of humanist and atheist groups associated with them. So they'll have, you know, a youth group and an atheist group. Uh, They also often will let our groups meet in their basement uh, for free, which is excellent because most of our groups don't have funding. Um, And they really are very welcoming. and, And, you know, I think Evan was talking about at the top of the show, our ability to work with interfaith groups and our ability to work with other progressive uh, religious organizations on the issues that matter to us. And so, you know, anytime we can find commonalities and and ability to work with these groups, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, some other folks who found um, community outside of religious context. You know, Carrie writes, my book club is one way I find community without religion with a diverse group of eight women eager to discuss everything and anything. We raised money for a nonprofit in Oakland during the pandemic, found time to discuss personal issues as well. Oh yeah, and we discuss books. (laughs) Um, Amy writes, an umbrella org for many godless communities is the American Humanist Association. And uh, Noel writes in to say, the humanist community in Silicon Valley and the atheist community of San Jose have joint events and uh, they're on Meetup. Um, I want to bring in John in Albany. Welcome, John. Uh, good morning, Alexis and panel. How are you guys? Hey, good, good. Hey. Thanks for calling. Cool. Uh, I just kind of came in on this about 10 minutes ago, and my perspective, uh, I'm 45, and exactly five years ago, uh, I left... I left religion altogether. I was born and raised in a super fundamentalist religious cult. Hmm. And um, after leaving that, uh, I was telling the call screener, I used to feel like everything was was very black and white, and that the gray area was very small. Now my perspective is, is 
black and white is very far apart and gray is mm. pretty much all I see for the most part. I mean, I still, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong, uh, of course. Um, but I, I have had a hard time. I haven't really sought for myself any, any group because I feel like I was so traumatized religiously that um, I, I just, I can't do that, at least in my life at this point right now. John, were there um, pieces of it that you missed, though? I mean, I, I wonder, like, you know, I, I did not grow up in a fundamental religious community, but one thing that has seemed appealing about it from afar is the sort of tight-knitness and the sort of knownness of it. Have you missed that, or is it just like you? that's actually the part that you're running away from? Um, I, it's hard for me on different aspects because... Uh, I have Asperger's, and so I don't really like being around a lot of people anyway. Um, I have a difficult time in, around people. Um, I do understand that, and I do have friends that have also left religions, too, that that is a very difficult thing for them, and they do seek community and so forth. I do think it is important, to be honest with you, to be around like-minded people that you know think as you do as well. Um, so hey, John, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my perspective. Yeah, John, really appreciate you uh, calling in sharing that story. You know, David Diskin, maybe I'll, I'll come to you on this. Um, you know, obviously people come out of some intense religious experiences with some scars, with some wounds, with some trauma. How do you sure. welcome those people into the kind of groups that you've been a part of? With open arms, you know. Um, it's, you know, as somebody who wasn't raised that way it's it's hard for me personally to understand what they've gone through but you know thankfully we do have so much variety in these different groups that there's always some kind of camaraderie um you know that 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 commissary where you can say yeah you know i've 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 been to that church or i've been through that experience and we allow them to vent and listen and tell them you know it's 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 okay it's you're you're with good people now and you know you can find community without that piece of your life anymore you know there's other ways to go about this there's other people that you can talk to yeah. about it now hmm. yeah evan do you want to chime in on this too I, I, I do there's there's actually a national organization that we partner with called recovering from religion that was founded to address this specific need we we find that especially people coming out of cults, high control groups, conservative religious traditions. They they have really unique experiences and almost nowhere to talk about it. You know, there are a lot of people in the South today who leave a religion, you know, and often that causes a divorce. They try to talk to a therapist. And the first thing the therapist says is, have you tried a church yet? And And we need to recognize that, you know, you have to step away from religious community to be able to talk about the trauma that might have been caused in a religious community. And so atheist communities, you know, I don't, I don't think this was the intent of all of the organizers that work in the space, but often we, our first job is to provide a, a safe space for the millions of people who change religion each year and are dealing with possible trauma from the religion they came from. Uh, and I've met a lot of progressive religious communities who actually are doing the same thing today. They, they catch a lot of people who are formerly evangelical or, or another religious group that they're from and and ultimately like there was so much control there was so much pressure you know like i mean just women trying to get a divorce throughout american history was mm -hmm. so was so shunned and kicked out of their community we even have ex-pastors who join a lot of our communities and and literally that was their only job training that was their only source of income that was their only community and now they have nothing the second they don't agree anymore with the beliefs of the institution they used to be a part of
Um, we've got another listener comment that's great. Um, Maricela writes, I'm from a pretty traditional Mexican-American family that was raised in the Catholic Church. I now consider myself a lapsed Catholic. On Christmas Day, I was talking to my parents about making sure you steer your kids, quote, in the right direction. My parents were saying that my morality came from my time in the church, but I believe that I established my own moral compass based on my own life experience. How do you explain morality if it's not attached to God, the church, the Ten Commandments in that framework? And shout out to Arlene. We need more Latinx voices uh, in this space. Um, Arlene, why don't we come to you on this? How, how do you explain your own moral compass to your family um, without sort of making reference to that set of commandments? Arlene, are you there? Oh, Sorry, I'll, oh, I there was you starting go. to talk to myself here. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's a really complicated question. Um, you know, I don't engage in like conversation like that with like my family. I just am who I am, mm. you know. Um, mm -hmm. And just because I'm not, I'm not a debater. I don't like doing that. I'm, I, I uh, and just like the the listener actually that wrote in, you know, I also base my moral compass on my own lived experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, all these observations that I've made, and this is where I've come to, to this conclusion that there is no God. God does not exist. And uh, I actually feel so much better. I feel like this huge weight has just gotten, you know, off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to answer your question, I'm just uh, who I am. Mm -hmm. I think uh, maybe uh, David or Sam or Evan might have yeah. a... Well, yeah, let me ask David about... Um about uh, something we've mentioned a couple times, which is Free Thought Day, um, something that you're mm -hmm. the president of, David Diskin. Um, you want to tell me a little bit ab about that? It's the highlight of my year. Um, <laughs> every year we get together at the Sacramento Capitol, or the state capitol in Sacramento, and we celebrate free thought outdoors. Um, we bring in about 20 different community groups, including Atheists United and American Atheists and Planned Parenthood and the League of Women Voters, as well as smaller groups like Sunday Assembly. And we bring in speakers and live entertainment and we give out awards and recognition to community leaders and legislators. We do a scholarship uh, for high school students and, and like an essay kind of thing. And we have them read their winning essay. It's such a highlight. And what I hear over and over again from attendees is how great it is for them to find other people. We're talking about community today, and this is a catalyst for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, this is so for sometimes it's the first event they've ever gone to that was secular in nature. Mm -hmm. And they come to this event and they find all these other tables of groups that are of people with like mindedness and they can connect and feel, you know, like they belong again. Is there uh, is free thought like a particular brand of atheism or is it like its own thing like next door it's a complicated word i think if you asked 10 different people what it means you're going to get 10 different answers it's one of those things i'm kind of joke about inside you know everyone what does atheism mean what does agnostic mean and you'll you'll also hear the word free thought um co-opted by religious folks and just about anybody else too oh i'm a free thinker for us it, it dates all the way back to the Salem witch trials of all things. Free Thought Day, as we see it, 
is a recognition of when the Salem witch trials ended because mm-hmm. Governor Phelps at the time decreed that you could no longer use what he called spectral evidence to try witches. <laughs> yes. these, right. So that that eventually, uh, you know, 300 years yeah. later became Free Thought Day. Oh. We celebrate it in October every year. Let's squeeze in one last quick call. Evelyn, welcome. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. Um, speaking on the on the moral uh, issue, first of all, I'm not an atheist, but I heard this and I just loved it. And uh, somebody died and he met God and he said to God, I understand you creating all these different religions for all these different people, you know, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, whatever. Why would you have created atheists? And God said, oh, atheists are my favorite. Everybody else does good things because the Bible or God tells them to. The atheists do it because it's right. <laughs> Evil, thank you uh, for that. That's a great uh, ending spot. couple things about where to meet in California. Chris writes in to say the East Bay Sunday Assembly can be joined through Meetup. We have book clubs, food clubs, more. can hear great talks, sing songs, create communities. The best parts of a church without any religious dogma. Being good to general humanity is built into our brains. Epigenetic rules. Come join us for our 10th anniversary. Our motto is live better, help often, wonder more. That's a great motto. Jeez. Um, Katie and Design on Discord writes, I'm the chairperson of the Santa Clarita Atheists and Free Thinkers, an offshoot of Atheists United in Santa Clarita Valley, north of Los Angeles. We live in a pretty religious city. I would even classify as extremists, but we find community with other atheists and free thinkers and also with theists who have common values with us. For example, the LGBTQ plus friendly Episcopal Church where PFLAG meetings are held. And we find that we align greatly with humanist values. We've been talking about finding fellowship without religion. We've been joined by a great panel. Evan Clark, executive director of Atheists United. David Diskin, president of Free Thought Day, who created Sunday, the Sacramento chapter of Sunday Assembly. Sam McGuire, national field director of American Atheists, Inc. And Arlene Rios, founder of Secular Latinos of San Gabriel Valley. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us and to everyone who called and commented. The 9 o'clock hour of Forum is produced by Blanca Torres, Grace Juan, and Tessa Paoli, and Jennifer Ng. Our intern is Emiko Oda. Marlena Jackson Rotondo is our engagement producer. Francesca Fenzi is our digital community producer. Judy Campbell's lead producer. Danny Bringer and Catherine Monahan are our engineers. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. This is Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Leslie McClurg. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.